As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt inside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I think that some among you might recognize the name of Philip Yancey. He is a writer, uh, he, um, a journalist who wrote um, many kind of great Christian books. And we'll have a few titles coming up. There we go. That's his picture. I didn't know he had such a you know, kind of interesting hairstyle, <laughs> but there we go. But you might recognize some of those titles, What's So Amazing About Grace, The Jesus I Never Knew, and Where Is God When It Hurts. Now, when he wrote that book, Where Is God When It Hurts, uh, which is one of his first books, um, he got letters from readers who said something like this. Thank you for your reflections on physical pain. My situation is different, though. My child has severe disabilities, and I face a constant battle with depression. Prayer doesn't seem to help my emotional pain. When it comes to God, I feel something like betrayal. And so he decided to write another book, and he called his book Disappointment with God. And when he sent uh, the, the title to his editor, you might imagine the kind of concerns they had. <laughs> Can we really sell to Christian a book entitled Disappointment with God? And he tries to questions. Is God unfair? Is God silent? And is God hidden? And he looks uh, at the Bible uh, for clues. Holy Week is a time when we revisit the stories that lead Jesus to the cross. And I think today in our reading, we hear about disappointment. The story starts well. Jesus gives instruction to two of his disciples to go to the village ahead of them. He said they will find there a colt tied there and they must bring him. If anyone asks, he says, why are you taking it? Then you have to say, the Lord needs it and will bring it back. 
And everything happens according to the words of Jesus, which I'm pretty sure must have amazed the disciples. And then things get even better. Cloaks are thrown over the colt. Jesus sits on it. And then there is this joyful procession that takes place. Jesus is on his way to the center of Jerusalem. People spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. It's all happening. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. We hear the scene of his entry in full, full of jubilation. Jesus is acting like this well-known prediction of Zechariah, which says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king come to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Our long-awaited king is finally coming. The crowd is spreading garments on the road before him, a gesture of great respect, appropriate for such people as king. They're waving their branches, shouting faith slogans. This is the fulfillment of our hopes. The time has finally come. God will judge the Romans and the nations. He will free us from the oppressor and put us in charge. He will liberate us. Israel's will once more reign like in the time of King David, but this time forever. Look, Jesus is now at the very center of Jerusalem. He's in the temple. Hold your breath. Join me in verse 11. Jesus enters Jerusalem, went into the temple. He looked around at everything and then went. Jesus disappoints. He looks and then goes. Nothing happens. No fire from heaven. No mighty voice to say, this is my son. No demonstration of power. No miracles. Jesus leaves. And I wonder how many felt disappointed that day. As we enter Holy Week, it's easy to forget how deeply disappointing those few days were for the disciples. This can't be. If you're the Messiah, if you are God with us, show your power. Justify us. Deliver us. Say something. Do something. Don't let them beat you and kick you, insult you and condemn you. It is no surprise that on the cross, the frustration and disappointments are summarized in the mocking words of the religious leader who says, huh, he saved others, but he can't save himself. Let this king of Israel come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. But Jesus dies, and all is silent. The disciples are on the run. Jesus has betrayed them all. He was not the Messiah after all. He did not deliver them like they thought he would. At that stage, Jesus was more of a disappointment than a savior. 
today, may I ask the question, have you ever been disappointed with God, with Jesus? Jeff Lucas, another well-known author, speaker and broadcaster, wrote a chapter in a book called Jesus is Profoundly Disappointing. There we go. The cactus stabbers. He said that in his life, God has not delivered as anticipated. For example, he starts by saying that when he became a Christian, he was told that God speaks as well as saves. And he assumed that God would be a little bit more chatty than he had been. He honestly said that there were days, weeks, even months at time when he thought that the connection had gone for good. And I must say I had similar experience, and most probably you too, where you felt God distant, God not really close to you. Sometimes we call them time of desert experiences, where God's voice seems absent. I would read the Bible, I would do my prayers, I would come to church, but still feel very lonely and isolated, wondering where was God. Then Jeff Lucas says there were other disappointments, the disappointments of his apparent unwillingness to intervene, especially in those situations that he cared the most. And that happens with us too, and around us, with sickness, mental health, tragedy, and fairness. We heard that um, some of us went to Peggy's funeral, and it was a great occasion to celebrate her life. Some of you might know that Peggy was fighting cancer. And when she heard that um, it was not working, the treatment, that she most probably had months, maybe weeks to live, she was disappointed. And um, in a meeting with Steve, when he asked the question, are you all right? And as you know, Peggy um, don't always use a lot of words. And that she just pointed to God. She wasn't all right. Why did God not answer her prayer? Why did that happen to her? She was not happy. And yet, I don't think it was a lack of faith. It was honesty. Someone said, where there is no longer any opportunity for doubt, there is no opportunity for faith either. And then Jeff Lucas continues with a few other disappointments. But then he says that disappointment with Jesus, with God, shouldn't come as a surprise. Actually, the Bible has a lot of accounts of people being disappointed with God. Jonah was furious that God would be willing to forgive the hated people of Nineveh. Jeremiah accused God to be a deceiver. Elijah ran for his life and then prayed for death. The Psalms are full of questions to God. Where are you? What are you doing? Why do you allow this or that? Wake up, God. Do something. In this chapter, Jesus is profoundly disappointing. Jeff Lucas says that he is disappointed with the Jesus he anticipated, the one he had constructed 
That doesn't mean that he was disappointed with the Jesus who is. You see, we tend to think something like that. Life should be fair because God is fair. But God is not life. And if I confuse God for the physical realities of life by expecting, for example, constant good health, then I set myself up for crushing disappointment. We live in a fallen world. And in this side of life, there will be disappointments. And it will feel sometimes like God is disappointing. Now, to say that we will never be truly disappointed with the Jesus who is, it doesn't solve all the issues. It still feels uncomfortable. We still want him to resolve tensions, tidy things up, tie up all the loose ends. But faith says that he has been all I've needed. One bold message in the book of Job is that we can, I can, you can say anything to God. You can throw at him your grief, your anger, your doubt, your betrayal, your disappointments. He can absorb them all. I can therefore bring to him how I feel, whether it's truly with him or the Jesus I imagine he might be. And then I must determine to follow him anyway. Because faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. True faith does not so much attempt to manipulate God to do our will as it does to position us to do his will. Earlier in Jesus' ministry, some followers were deserting him because he was not delivering as anticipated. And so Jesus turned to his disciples and asked them whether they were leaving him too, probably wrestling with their own broken hopes and surfacing fears they made an honest statement, perhaps with a shrug of the shoulder and a look of quiet resignation. They said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. When we are wrestling with doubts and disappointments, I think this is not a bad prayer to pray. Let's take a moment of quietness and pray. Father, as we enter the discomfort of Holy Week and face our own frustrations, doubts, and disappointments, we ask that we will see you more clearly. For to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Amen.